We're live. What's up, guys? Welcome to Kind of Funnies. Kevin Smith's View Askew Universe in review. That's right. We are ranking and reviewing every movie in Kevin Smith's View Askew Universe. I'm Tim Geddes, joined by one of the coolest dudes <laughs> in video games, Greg Miller. Andy's so fucking high. <laughs> we got hot boy Andy Cortez Kevin, over here. Kevin just switched over to his view, and he was across all five frames, like just one giant photo. I didn't him. realize the mouse all was on the other All five frames himself, side. Kevin Koala. What's up, guys? And Nick Scarpino. How you doing? I want to point out, I'm, I'm good, guys. I want to point out, it's, it probably took us longer to figure out how to make all of our shots black and white than this episode's going to be. But, <laughs> that's my, my favorite I mean, thing. And I would say, real quick, real quick, we, we loosely figured it out. I wanted to, I mean, it, we're clearly not in black and white. <laughs> no, mine, my, looking at my image, mine has a little bit of, of, of uh, red in it. Kevin's yeah. is a little blue. Yours, Andy's, and well, Tim's just looks red too, but that's just because there's no amount of black and white saturate desaturation you could do to make tim's Can't face turn this the blonde yeah. hair also it's impossible I hate you all tim you all so looks like a match on fire <laughs> <laughs> we do this show live every tuesday on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games where once a week we will be reviewing one of the kevin smith movies every friday Woo. we do the transformers movies it's exciting for everybody uh you can watch live on twitch you can watch later on youtube.com slash kind of funny or roosterteeth.com you can also listen to this as you're uh, on your favorite podcast service to search for kind of funny reviews if you want to get the show ad free go to patreon.com slash kind of funny just like our patreon producers muhammad muhammad justin toft das bear jew and black jack did we appreciate all of them very very much ladies and gentlemen greg how are you feeling before we even get into this this seems like something you wanted for a very it was long a dream time. come true tim to get to watch yeah. all the kevin smith films together here share them together me and kevin talking about kevin smith for so long actually getting to watch them now discuss them week in week out with all of you and plus just a trip down memory lane right i can't remember the last time i watched most of these movies let alone watch them all back to back to back to back that had to be like in high school but you know when i actually had like a marathon and watched them regularly in terms of chronological order and all that so to go back to clerks you know for the first time forever because obviously i'm i'm a huge kevin smith fan i think so much of you know what i think podcasts are are based on the commentaries that came on the dvds for mall rats and for his movies and stuff like that so it's a weird trip to come back i, I tweeted about this over the weekend right of watching clerks again i uh, right before my birthday and then getting ready to make content for my youtube channel it's so you know it's just a whole full circle thing it's awesome yeah before we get into all the, the nuts and bolts of this just going around the the panel here of what our history is with these movies i i've seen most of them once uh, I think there's a couple. I've never seen Mallrats, never seen oh. Chasing Amy. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty excited to get what? to get through all this stuff. And yeah, I've only seen the rest of them once. Holy. So and I haven't seen Reboot. So this the uh, I think there's like half of them I haven't seen. So I'm pretty, pretty excited to, to, to go through this. Nick, what about you? Um, and I've seen all the Kevin Smith movies. I don't. I think the ones I've seen the least are probably Dogma, Clerks Two, um, Chasing Amy. I've seen a few times actually. I think I've seen probably Clerks and Chasing Amy and Mallrats the most. Um, and I, I think I went back and watched Mall Rats, ugh, like or uh, Chasing Amy last year, to, or just to see kind of how it aged. And man, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of goatees. There was an egregious amount of goatees in that movie. <laughs> so we'll just say that. But other than that, you know, these movies hold such a special place for, especially people like me who went to film school and wanted to be filmmakers. Obviously, uh, Kevin Smith was a huge, huge, huge reason why that happened. Um, seeing a success story like him or Rob Rodriguez or uh, Link Letter, those guys that went out and just tried, just figured out how to get. You know, scrape together twenty two, thirty, you know, twenty seven thousand dollars and make some. I think in Roger, Robert Rodriguez's case, it was like ten thousand dollars that he did. But they went out and they had a vision and they worked with what they had 
and it really made something special. And I think that's why, you know, when you look at Clerks, it's not a good movie. Like it, it the acting is terrible. The, <laughs> it's it's all done in basically two shots, like Kevin Smith's like classic two shot format, which is that you know they only had enough uh, 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 film stock for you know two takes and they didn't have enough for coverage so he was like i'll just film everyone like this is the shot because the guys can stand behind the counter i can get two of them in that'll be my shot forever um but this movie is like a rare example of it being so much greater than the sum of its parts because there it, it manages to capture sort of the zeitgeist of what was happening in the early 90s and specifically so much of kevin's story builds into it that you can't really separate the two of them yeah. um and just re-watching it again two nights ago i was just i'm like I'm so, there's just something intangibly fun about this movie. Cause again, if we put all of our friends together, granted we have some pretty talented friends, but if I just drew from like, you know, if I got Stu, you got Poe and you got Curran and you know, Kevin brought his dog and we all just came in <laughs> mm-hmm. with like, with, with actors you and I wrote some dialogue for them. <laughs> Not one. I mean, you have Andy Tim. just doesn't exist in this. You, you... <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, we all know Andy has, a, Andy hasn't left his room in. <laughs> Two months. I'm not quite sure anyone knows he exists anymore. No. But you know, the point is like if we if I was to do this, I don't know that we would get the same uh, outcome from it. But Kevin had, you know, Kevin Smith had just such a clarity of vision for what he wanted to do with this that it really, really shows. And I think that that speaks to how smart he is and just how creative he is and how and his desire to make something out of nothing it really is what this whole movie is about to me. It's about someone who's kind of lost and doesn't understand where he's supposed to be in life and like totally. trying to trying to get something. You know, he's not even supposed to be there today. It becomes the phrase that he says over and over and over again, kind of mirroring, I think, a little bit of the creative process for Kevin of being like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I, you know, he didn't even know he wanted to be a filmmaker until a little bit later in life. So, well, I mean, it operates as such a time capsule too, both for the 90s, obviously, with Dante's like combat boots and these oversized pants and all this I other love shit. love it. And but again, the goatee. And the goatee, of course. Go- the Nick, pads. you had that goatee in, in in that band photo of yours as well. Dude, the nineties goatee. Yeah. A lot of people had a lot of people yeah, had soul dude. patches. A lot of people yeah. had whatever the bottom goatee was, and a lot of people had the full goatee. Um, I don't know why I had that. I think my brother had it. <laughs> and looking back on it, it's just scummy. It's, it's just, just it's sound garden, spot, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Kevin, what about the time you? capsule? Oh, sorry. Um, I don't remember when we first watched Clerks, but it, the first time I think was was Clerks the first movie we saw, or was it was Strike Back, and then we went backwards. Jesus, and, and it was one of those things where it's like I discovered this world of like, oh my god, Kevin Smith is a, is a genius. I will like I was obsessed with him for so long, and I remember when we, you know, when when you guys were like, oh, we're gonna leave IGN. Uh, branch out and become kind of funny we're gonna do an interview with kevin smith and i was like i don't care what happens i have to go like and like that was such a big deal but yeah i mean i love wasn't movies. invited you still showed up i drove i drove until it was dangerous um dangerous yeah but uh yeah i like i i love these movies so much it's so weird to see like a movie so well capture like my day to day like watching it when i was young it was like holy shit these are the conversations that me and tim have like we're sitting there talking about star wars or back to the future and it's like that that's what this movie's about these those conversations and those interactions and then it goes a little bit deeper just deep enough to like be phenomenal (laughs) 
Andy the color. <laughs> no uh, it's like Clerks Two. Clerks Two moment. <laughs> Andy, no future spoilers. No yeah. future spoilers. So I, I just love these movies so much. I watch them all the time, like all the time. So um, it, I'm very excited to do the, the this interview. Andy, what about you? What's your history with Kevin Smith movies? Uh, the Kevin Smith movies were always the movies that my friend's older brothers were really into. Like they, it was kind of the cool movie franchise that if you thought yourself to be, you know, an intellectual, you were into Kevin Smith movies. That and like, I remember nonstop them talking about Clerks, Mallrats, and uh, Pulp Fiction and and Reservoir Dogs. Like that was like, oh my, man, my friend's older brothers are really cool because they're into these really <laughs> art movies, you know? Um, I I mean, I, I don't really have any much uh, more experience other than that. Like, I, re- I recognize a lot of the references. This is my first time watching it all the way through. And uh, I liked it. I feel like I would have loved it had I been 13, 14, 15, you know? Had I been in that era. Because uh, it's one of those movies where it, it does remind you of watching your friends trying to make a project it reminds me of of high school or community college theater you know like this is it's two actors on stage and they are just going through a long shot and they have to memorize a lot of lines <laughs> and uh it really it reminds me of of theater honestly and uh yeah i dug it i thought it was a uh but not a lot like of conversations were fun and stuff and and yeah i think it was really cool but not like good theater, right? Like community theater, like the yeah, kind of theater where yeah. where people are like, "I'm also an insurance salesman." But, but it's charming because you you see how you see that that this is what they had. Like they had oh, no yeah. more than what you saw in terms of resources, in terms of friends that could be on camera. Yeah, like they just grabbed anything and everything, and it's well, so well, Flanagan's like, like seven characters. Yeah, it's like you just you have such a, a level of respect because like this is what started all of it. Oh, there you go, Tim. Well, fuck. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it. yeah but it's, it's interesting. I, w- I went back and watched. There's a documentary, I think, called The Snowball Effect on YouTube, if you guys want to check it out. But I watched that um, last night. And, you know, he it's obviously Kevin Smith talked about this in nauseum. So I'm not probably telling you guys anything you knew. But he obviously he cast everything from uh, from the people he had. He went out and did a casting call and found a lot of some local actors as well, which is where the Dante uh, actor came from, as well as um, his both of the girlfriends. Um, and it's just fascinating because they have they have their audition footage on there and he was like and the girl that plays veronica i think that's her name right the yep. dante's like current girlfriend yep. not a great actor um but they were like we were blown away in her audition because she could cry we were like we didn't know someone could do that <laughs> so little experience with actors that he yeah. was like you can cry you're hired that's it Wait, um, and, and then, then he, he doesn't about- have her cry <laughs> no, but I mean, he, he said, she could, you know, the point was that he yeah, saw yeah, her she's actually a good able actor, to have yeah. a range of emotion. Well, she's not an actor, but she well, was able yeah. to do that. And so he was he was like he was they were blown away by that. But instead of actually trying to find people that could hold the scenes. But then, you know, the guy that plays Walt Flanagan is obviously one of his friends that I think is on comic book men with him. Right. Yeah. Or. Yeah. And that guy, the reason he played four roles was because the other actors that he cast just didn't show up. Like the it was like a lot of people had to play multiple roles because we cast people and it was they weren't they weren't really getting paid so they just didn't show up yeah. so it was like fuck dude put a hoodie on you're in the scene yeah same so, with that uh, last line of uh, of I'm sorry go ahead. Uh, I was gonna get into the the stuff here so Clerks released October nineteenth nineteen ninety four directed by Kevin Smith uh, an American filmmaker actor comedian public speaker comic book writer blah 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 and podcaster uh, he came to prominence with a low budget comedy film clerks in 1994 which he wrote directed co-produced and acted in as the character silent bob 
of the stoner doer Jay and Silent Bob. Uh, they also appear in the later films that we'll be doing in this order. Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Clerks 2, and Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. So those are all the movies that we are going to be doing in this. Um, they're primarily set in his home state of New Jersey. And while not strictly sequential, the films have crossover plot elements and stuff to, to look out for, known lovingly as the View Askew universe based on his production company, View Askew Productions, um, with the most obnoxious long um, intro it's that I've so ever so long, seen. and it's <laughs> so gross. It's, it's so that was the nineties, Nick. You don't remember, all right? Oh, I remember. Bro. <laughs> you don't I was, remember. I was, I was a solid twenty-four years old in the nineties. So, uh, um, a budget of twenty-seven thousand five hundred and seventy-five dollars. Uh, Clerks was shot in the convenience and video store where director Kevin Smith worked in real life. Upon its theatrical release, the film received generally positive reviews and grossed over three million in theaters, launching Smith's career. The film is considered a landmark in independent filmmaking, and in twenty nineteen was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress, who deemed it culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Uh, to acquire funds for the film, Kevin Smith sold a large portion of his extensive comic book collection. He maxed out eight to ten credit cards with two thousand dollar limits, and he dipped into a portion of funds set aside for his college education. Um, he also spent insurance money awarded for a car Jason used, and he lost in a flood. Um, the film was shot in 21 days with two pickup days. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty much all you need to know about that stuff. But yeah, another another fun note is that they actually edited the movie in the in the video store. Oh, really? So yeah, they brought in the the flatbed editor, the um, Steinbeck or Steinbeck, I think is what they call it. And they put it right next to the cast register because they had no place else to edit because uh, Kevin Smith's basement and like house had been destroyed in the flood. And so he and Scott Mosier sat, they synced the sound, and they basically slept in the video store. But it was like literally while they were editing while people were coming in looking for videos. So they had like, awesome. like they were looking at it on the flatbed. And it's just a really cool concept. I mean, yeah, like, so some more so stuff weird. there is uh, it's um, filmed at the same place where he worked. Uh, at the time, he was only allowed to film outside of business hours. And because it was bright enough, lights couldn't be afforded. Uh, the plot included an explanation for the shutters being always down. So that's interesting. Uh, and then uh, the film's great. shoestring budget is part of the reason it was shot in black and white. A number of different types of lighting were used, and uh, the white balance was like, super off. So they were like, fuck it. It's just black and white. We're yeah. going to deal with it. Um, but the one thing that I thought was interesting is, so the budget is 27575 but the post-production budget was two hundred and thirty k. 230K? I think that might be what he made when he sold the movie. No, or was, it's actually possible because I think when once Miramax bought it, I think they they bought all those songs and put a soundtrack together. So that might be where some yeah. of that money came from because gotcha. he didn't have money for like because there's actually like real songs in this. Yeah, yeah. Soul Asylum plays on yes. that. Yes, he didn't have the rights. He didn't put that in the. That original. must have been it then. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because box office is three point two million runtime of an hour thirty two minutes. Man, it's great too. I miss I miss fucking ninety minute movies, man. Ninety minute movies, just getting it out. Why is every so long? Honestly, thirty what? minutes. Really? This felt like two hours plus to me. Oh, my like, God. Nick said it earlier about, like, this movie is, like, it's better than some of its parts. Like, I totally agree with that where there's so much of this. I'm like, obviously, it doesn't age well. I'm not even going to get into all that stuff. We know. It's like this movie is just so creative and fun that it's like you, you look past all the bullshit in a way. And I wonder if it's just because we want to. But something no, I don't, is, the I don't acting think is so. so bad. Like the acting that throughout the whole movie is horrible. But then there's moments where it's like, oh, this is actually pretty good. And I feel like those mean more than the bad moments. Like there's sure. that one shot where it's Dante and um, not Veronica, the other girl. Caitlin. Caitlin talking. And it's five minutes. It's five minutes of them just going back and forth talking. It's like that to me is so impressive. I guess that the movie sets me up to be like, wow, they can't act. So that when they do, you're like, 
holy shit, <laughs> like, good well, like, for you guys. Like, but, it, it kind of, it's the, the underdog story, you know? It's interesting because I feel like she, I feel like she was pretty decent. Caitlin was decent as an actor. She carried a scene. And I think Jay, uh, uh, not Jay. Um, Randall. Randall is, to me, the best part of this whole movie. And it's a guy who literally didn't even, you know, he didn't barely audition for it. He just auditioned as a goof. And everyone was like, this guy's actually pretty funny. He's got the voice. He had that look. He has, a, he's a, he plays a perfect snarky asshole. And he kind of comes off like that in real life. But like, so those two characters are great. But why they decided to cast Dante is just beyond me. <laughs> I'm just, I, 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 I feel like he plays that role so perfectly where he's just this annoying guy. Like, yeah, can't make up his own he's... damn mind. I feel that about everybody, though. (laughs) They're all, that's the problem, is they're all so bad that, like, even it's, it just works. Like, if everything's terrible, then you don't really see the difference. And, and it just has a certain charm to it. And I think it has a charm to it because they're all terrible actors, but it's so overwritten that it's almost Shakespearean at a certain moment. We're like, (laughs) what is happening? Why? And you know what's funny is it definitely don't talk like this. (laughs) No, they definitely don't. And and it was so funny because my my wife and I were talking about like just that she was like, well, that's how people talked in the 90s. And I'm like, no, it's not. Uh, (laughs) People talked like that in Dawson's Creek because they saw clerks and were like, oh, we could definitely write like teenagers and like young adults like this. And it has this weird effect of like, making it seem deeper than it is because totally. these these people who can't really act or pull out these long ass overly <laughs> soliloquies. written yeah soliloquies they just you just kind of it, it almost lulls you into it for some reason it's very yeah, it's what's well, it's a weird mashup of you know our world in then a movie world but on top of that when i was saying earlier that it was a time capsule i think it's a time capsule in two parts it's obviously the look of the 90s the sound of the 90s like i still listen to the clerk soundtrack i still have that cd bumming around here and i'll put on spotify what's available but it's also this time capsule that i think maybe i'm, I'm probably speaking of, you know as somebody who was born in 83 and was obviously this is before my time in terms of me being a young 20 something but eventually getting there i feel like there's so many parts of this as a time capsule that you look back on and you have both conversations like Kevin's talking about, but memories similar to that and what it was like to have that best friend, right? Who all you did was give each other shit and it somehow was how you showed each other that you loved each other. The stupid fucking conversations you'd have, the stupid fucking fights you'd have with your girlfriends. Uh, you know, the, the, the fact that the movie is, you know, so hung up on uh, Dante's still having drama with high school, right? Of like he's just that far removed at 22 or whatever, where he's looking back and these characters who are still from his life, and even like Rick Darris showing up, Rick Darris showing up and being a bodybuilder and being like, "Oh, don't worry that I used to fuck your girlfriend while you dated her." That was way a long time ago. That was high school. It was like three years ago, bro. Don't worry about it. You're like, what the fuck are you talking about? But you, I remember that of like when that was, you know, your young 20 something when you had the young 20 something friends who didn't necessarily know what they wanted to do. You had all the time in the world and you fucking wasted it watching videos and hanging out. Right. Yeah. I mean, and also the you know, perfectly capturing, I think you guys talked about it too, but like just that feeling of that summer job you had with your, yeah. and you got your friends hired too. And then you, but you all were just knuckleheads and totally fucking slacking off the entire time. Like yeah. when Tim and Alfredo got put in charge of a coffee shop for no reason. <laughs> yeah. feels that way. Yeah. No, yeah. it's, it's like definitely it's a moment and it's funny because I feel like this, this movie gets so much credit for kind of defining this type of genre. And so it's, I feel in some ways harder to look back on it because so many, so many things that I love have been influenced by it over yeah. the years that it's kind of like, it doesn't feel novel anymore, but then going back and seeing it, it's like, you can totally see the origins of things. And it's like, so while I feel like it doesn't necessarily hold up as a good movie at all, <laughs> I think that it is, it's so worthy of people's time and is 
it is fascinating enough that watching it makes it makes it good even in a, in a different way that's not necessarily about the quality of the film but more about the storytelling sure I, it, you you know you wondered and i'm sure you tim have uh, you know watching it with uh, joey and g i assume in the mm-hmm. house like i i was surprised that even jen sitting next to me watching it and i think she's seen it probably dubbed you know however many years ago but watching it in english for really the first time or hanging out watching it her laughing with it and being along for the ride in in spite of everything we're talking about right how do you Where, dub fucking snoochy boochy <laughs> that's not a word right? noise, noise. you know what i mean that's true. I, I spoilers, sure. future spoilers God. no i think for uh you know and also just as a as a person who went through to you know a little bit of a film school and just had i'm, I'm just so fascinated to watch this movie every single time because the reason I think it works so well is it's such a simplistically perfect concept. Mm. It's just two dudes behind a, a checkout counter at a convenience store. A and like life. when I watched, you know, when he tells the story of how he did the, you know, the first screener and no one was there except for that one old man. And that old man ended up being like this very influential person in the indie scene. That guy, they interviewed him and he was like, he was like, I just, I read what this was about. And there was just something so fascinating about a day in the life of these convenience store clerks. And it's so true. And like when you talk, when, when you hear how Kevin got the idea, obviously he read, he like, he, he, he read articles about Robert Rodriguez and Robert Rodriguez was like, Hey, the key number one, like first thing you got to do if you're on a budget, if you're an indie filmmaker is work with what you got. And he was like, well, I got, I got a convenience store. I got access to a convenience store and a video store. And that's exactly what you see in the movie. And it's so cool to just see like, it's one of those ideas that's so simple that I wish I thought of it. Like I watch it, I kick myself for not being like, this is, this was so simple. And like, you look at it now and you're like, I could probably make this movie in a week with, oh, yeah. Easy. with the assets that we have right now, the cameras we have right now, it would look 10 times better, sound 10 times better. And I'm pretty sure we could pull in decent actors that would come and do it, but it wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be nearly as good. Yeah. No, no you can't catch that magic. It was like, the 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 magic the the magic in a bottle was the, all there for them you know they had the yeah. perfect formula and the and it was the perfect time you know I, I i don't think you can replicate that now you know no it's and it's everything andy earlier you're talking about your, your older your friends older brothers and how like this was art you know and i yeah. remember the same way like you know just being on like game facts forums and just trying to educate myself on culture and being like like what what are the best comedy movies of all time that i don't know and like clerks would always come up as exactly what you're talking about, where it's like I felt like I wasn't cultured because I it was didn't like an know underground this movie. movie. Yeah, and it, and, <laughs> and like then you look at it, it's black and white. It's like it it's so pretentious to think about yeah. all the things that go into the title this, cards. Like, the title cards, right? Yeah. Oh my god, it's like I all remember of it. when I I had watched find that stop. I remember watching Mallrats first, and then watching Clerks, and I was talking to a friend about it who was into him. In yeah, I guess it must have been junior high or maybe high school i forget freshman year and it was this conversation of yeah i like mall rats more and his first thing was like oh you didn't, what did you like about clerks I'm like oh and he's like did you not understand the title cards I was like, what the fuck are you talking about you're like a 12 year old fuck off <laughs> well, do you guys do you guys i do you guys know the inspiration behind the title cards Mm-mm. so I, I just read this the other day i had never heard of this before but apparently there's nine of them and it's supposed to quasi mirror the um, uh, Dante's Inferno, which is why, or, yeah, which is why the main character's name is Dante. And at, at the end, he was actually the original ending is he dies, right. he gets shot. Damn, that's the end. You can see and that. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> the original ending for the film was meant to continue from where Randall throws the "I show you were open" sign to Dante. After Randall leaves, Dante proceeds to count out the register and does not notice another person entering the store. Upon Dante's informing the latecomer that the store is no longer open, the customer shoots Dante, killing him. Afterward, the killer makes off with all the money in the cash register and then some other bullshit happens. 
Um, but yeah, that was actually like the original ending. And, yeah, and he like, they screened that and eventually they, he took it out because they wanted it to mirror the conversation that Dante had about the Empire Strikes Back and how it like ends mm. as a bummer or whatever. And it just wasn't tracking well. He had also said that he was his influences were like Spike Lee's do the right thing and do the right thing has a very distinctive style where everything's kind of comical up until the very end where something very serious happens. And so he wanted to have that as as a, a beat. But literally every single person, including the guy, the first guy that saw it, everyone at Miramax and like um, a couple of the guys that were helping him or one of the guys that was helping him sort of like shepherding through the process were like this such a you've got to change this ending and there Wait, he was like so even when it went to the the film festival this was the ending. when it yeah so when it oh, went to the wow, original film festival that, yeah. yeah when it went to the film festivals it was the ending and um he apparently i think it was i forget the name of the guy but it was uh or what his role was but there was a guy who basically his job is like be a producer's like um not assistant but he basically goes in and finds indie producers and helps them get distribution um, and he was, this was like one of the last projects he had worked on or he was going to quit. And then he found this and he, I guess he kept going, but he called him and was like, he was like, I gotta be honest with you. Like I, I, this movie shouldn't end this way. And, and Kevin's like, well, I want it to be like an impactful ending and yada, yada, yada. And he goes, can I be bl blunt with you? And he goes, yeah, he goes, you shot him because you don't know how to end your fucking movie. And Kevin's <laughs> like, you're, you're absolutely right. right. He goes, you should absolutely just. He's like, they have, you have the shot of the two friends. These are the main characters. This is the main, the dynamic of the movie. And you literally have him throw him the sign. And he's like, you're closed or whatever. I forgot what the closing line was. And he goes, that's, that's where you should end your movie. And it ends. And it's so perfect because it just is. That's the end of the day. It's a day it's in perfect. the life. That's yeah. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were with him from the start to the end. Yeah, you can actually watch the end. It's on the, the clerk's <laughs> very bummer. Yeah. 10th anniversary special edition. It so. also does not have yeah. the impact that you think it should have because it's shot so poorly <laughs> that it looks. It's like if Gre when Greg Miller pretends like he's dead on camera. We're like, all right, exactly. let him let him let him cry it out. It's exactly like that. that. Uh, the two other uh, facts I got for you is the MPAA originally gave Clerks an NC-17 rating based purely on the film's explicit dialogue, as it contains no real violence and no clearly depicted nudity. But of uh, this would have serious financial uh, <laughs> implications for the film, as very few cinemas in the United States would even screen it uh miramax then hired a civil liberties lawyer to appeal the decision they eventually got uh our rating without any alteration got, and uh, the term, word got, uh, what's his name not alan dershowitz uh alan dershowitz. yeah with, on, one of oj simpson's lawyers yeah Who uh, the word fuck and it are okay, said 91 times what did you say uh, Who or, uh alan dershowitz thank you yeah the word fuck and its derivatives are said 91 times throughout the film like that's the thing too is like this movie just like i feel like so many people liked it because it's like oh they're saying things that they're not supposed to be saying on tv you know and especially in theaters like i feel like that's even more like you watch this and i'm like it's so egregious but it's it is just kind of like that's how people talk but even even when they shot it too like some of the actors like uh the guy that played randall was was you know in that scene where he has to talk about all that where he's reading off the list of like porno movies oh, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know he was he was quoted as saying he was like i made white come <laughs> it, it cuts it cuts into like a close up of him because he didn't want he did he didn't feel comfortable saying those things in front of the woman and her child. Yeah. And so, so he was like so literally they had to get her reaction shots uh separate and by Kevin just reading the list to her and those are like real reaction shots to her being like that's fucking horrible. But even the actors because they weren't real actors, they didn't understand. They were just normal people who were like I don't think we should be saying all this stuff because I wouldn't say this with adults in the room. But it, there were no adults in the room. It was literally Kevin making a movie for his friends with his friends of like 23 year old dudes. And that's yeah. exactly how they talked, you know. Let's get into the plot, guys. 
It's a hard one. <laughs> I, think, I think we can just. I think we can like just get beats of the plot, Greg. I yeah, don't know I mean, well, I mean, yeah, because it's like, well, welcome, no welcome to Leonardo, New Jersey. Dante Hicks wakes up in a closet while his phone is ringing. So <laughs> gets, lucky. Pretty weird. Is right? it though, Tim? Is it weird to wake up in a closet like that? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like I had a friend growing up, lived in a closet, slept in there all the time. Yeah, but we saw totally his normal. bed. Yeah. We oh yeah, no, my friend bed. had a bed right next to that closet, literally right mm. next to it, two feet away. As someone who's yeah, thought about it a lot, the takeaway I always put in my head was that, especially since the phone's in the laundry basket, he was in the closet talking to Caitlin, and he wanted to keep it quiet so his mom wouldn't hear whoever his parents in the other room. And then at the end of that, he when he hung up, he's like, "I'm gonna sleep here." That's how Greg justified yeah, it. Watching that makes a lot of sense. Perfect. Yeah. Does it? Anyways, he wakes up. He's got a dog. Congratulations, everybody. Uh, we have some music playing. Dante walks out. He makes a weird. He it looks like he makes his cereal in the bowl of the sugar, the the top of the sugar bowl, which I always found weird too, because it's just him scooping sugar in there and then drinking out of it. You're like, all right. Yeah, it was like sugar. I thought it was coffee at first. I was like, that's a weird way to make coffee. But yeah, you're right. That makes more sense. It's a sugar bowl. You yeah, don't yeah, keep yeah, coffee exactly. in a freaking weird cat porcelain thing. Exactly. <laughs> he gets in his car. He's got a, a motorcycle parked right in front of the house in the sidewalk. I don't like that but it doesn't matter. Uh, He drives the quick stop, which will become obviously the most iconic quick stop in all of America. Uh, Gets there, pulls in, parks the car, uh, goes inside, and then just starts the mundane tasks of opening the quick stop in Leonardo, New Jersey, right? Yeah. He makes the coffee. He puts in one rack of newspapers, realizes the other one didn't get delivered, goes back outside, uh, goes to a regular newspaper stand, puts a coin in, takes a giant stack of newspapers. (laughs) I don't know. I remember every time, not every time, but when I would get written up in newspapers, this is what I would do as well. I'd go there, like to the outside of the the supermarket, put in the change, get all of them, leave. So that's like stealing, right? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Sure. yeah. Okay. Because I, I never knew the rules. Because that at one point that happened in Dumb and Dumber, uh, with the coin, and you could take multiples or whatever. But yeah. I never understood. Like, is this just like a courtesy thing? Like, I never knew. Like, no, they, oh, they, they weren't whoever designed that was just like yeah uh, guys we could make this a one like where it would spit one out a piece but that's just going to take an extra five it's bucks a, so it's just, more wow. mechanisms to break more it's mechanisms. a bizarre honor function though yeah. it know? is yeah like, like nothing else in our society works quite like that yeah no Anyways, uh, he goes back. He goes to open the shutters. Turns out gum's been jammed in the shutters. So he goes inside, gets a sheet, gets some shoe polish, writes the iconic sign, I assure you we're open, hangs that outside. Again, to your Nick's point, or Tim's point, from the facts of the furious, <laughs> that this was filmed at night. So you needed a reason why you wouldn't see anything outside behind them. Uh, after that, he sets everything up. The cat's there, too. Uh, and uh, guess what? It's time for a day at the, the office. So he, he sits down at the, or stands at the desk, puts his head into his hands, and the movie is off to the races. Um our first plot point here is that a dude walks in and wants his order makes a coffee and then he's like, "Do you mind if I drink it here?" And Dante's like, "Sure, whatever. I don't. Why would you stand in front of me and drink your coffee?" Uh, one of the local deadbeats comes in to buy cigarettes, and the guy starts asking him all these kind of questions: "How old are you? How long have you been smoking?" Tosses a dis- diseased lung on the countertop. <laughs> God, you know. Then he's like, "Why don't you pick up this a pack of Chulis gum?" You know what I mean? It's cheaper. Than cigarettes. Greg, you're from the East Coast, right? No. Is is Chulis gum a thing on the East Coast? No. Well, I'm not from the East Coast, but I assure you it is not. Because again, cool. remember, it's the same way uh, in another uh, one for you here. The reason everybody comes in and says, "Can I get a pack of cigarettes?" and never says a brand is because they couldn't say a brand. Oh my god! And it's I watched this back in I think I must have watched this in '94, and even then, like that's when I was I started playing around with smoking cigarettes, and it, it, it annoyed. 
Well, you know, I would like my, my brother would have a pack. I'd have like one here and there, just be try to be cool and, and pretend like I was older. And then of course it led to a lifelong addiction. Thanks, Matt. But um, it always, always bothered me that people walked in and said, pack yeah. of cigarettes, because as a smoker, Kevin, doesn't I mean, doesn't it just grate on you? We're like, no, you say, oh, can I get a pack of Camel Lights? Can I get a pack of Marble Lights? Can I get Camel Crushes or whatever? You say your brand, that's you're a smoker. You don't walk in and be like, let me get a six pack of beer. The guy would be like, what soda. the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, no, like, but what Ke- kind of beer do you want? Kevin quit for New Year's. Though. That was his resolution. All right, Kevin. I haven't smoked in several months. Look at that. Perfect. Yeah. Proud of you, Kevin. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I don't think that was my resolution. My resolution was to post more on social media. That's been wonky as shit. I can't tell who's kidding right now. <laughs> Shakedown's happening. Uh, once that guy buys his gum and leaves, uh, Dante's like, I mean, you want to, uh, you know, can you enjoy the coffee outside? He's like, no, I'm fine here. He's like, well, fine. I don't want you to annoy the customer. He's like, sorry. He starts to put it away, and another dude walks in. He's like, what's that? How long have you been smoking? Uh, right around here, probably, is when we cut outside and introduce the world to Jay and Silent Bob. Uh, <laughs> the world. Noise, noise. Yeah. <laughs> Jay walks up, uh, Silent Bob, and this is where they will sit and sell drugs, which is never made abundantly clear until way later in the film. <laughs> Jen oh, yeah. was like, what Dealing? are they doing? I'm like, they're yeah. drug dealers. They're, they're just not really making a big deal about it yet. Well, by the way, I mean, I don't know when it gets there and if you're, you're going to even remember, but my all-time this is, favorite yeah. fucking scene of of any kevin smith movie is for no reason there's just a quick cutaway outside there's one light you can barely see what's happening yeah. and he puts down the beatbox yeah and yeah, yeah and he starts dancing and then fucking kevin like yeah like Simon Simon Bob Bob fucking breaks it down yeah, it is so like my wife was watching with me and she was like this is the best this is my favorite fucking scene this has got such good energy those scenes because i think it's three of them because it's one where he puts it down it starts going it kind of starts bobbing yeah. then it cuts to another time and he's going a little harder and then he cuts to the third time and he like throws over to silent bob and that's when you get him dancing it's oh, just like it's it, so that good. little like just these are, are who those character are, are. like uh, yeah. that little world building that they do in that world uh, is I really love man they're so outrageous but at the same time you kind of know people that are a little similar oh totally yeah. oh my god well that's no, but that's, that's true. like Kevin, our friend true he's oh, Jay god, and I hate it's the worst it. I hate it's the it. worst so but it's but so... the the fun the the best the meta part of course is that Jay is Jay right they he wrote that character for Jason Muse he wrote him in because he did all those things and then of course Jason Muse when he got the part was like I can't do this on camera like I do these things like he was constantly like there's a part where he's just like going down like and, and uh imitating fellatio on people yeah, and he's like down, Jay line him up like a I'd go down like a circus CEO <laughs> yeah. oh my god but, like that was that was just something that Jason Mewes used to do, but it was he was like he got <laughs> so nervous try, having to do it on camera because he was like I do that for myself, I do that to make myself laugh. He's like it's so weird to do it in front of other people. And then I don't know if Tim, if you have this piece of trivia, but during that dance scene, yeah. he was so embarrassed <clears throat> that he made everyone, including the camera op, leave. Go into so the video store the to hang out. Photography, <laughs> focus the camera, turned it on to hit record, and then they went in, and then they did the whole dance scene, which is just That's so awesome. amazing. It's hilarious. And again, he, obviously no future spoilers, but James and Bob become far bigger stars of these movies as they go on. So it's always fun to watch this and see what they initially were before they become cartoon characters <laughs> and just like get even crazier. But even just from like their literal introduction of when they walk up there and Jay takes off his coat and throws it over to Bob and Bob just tosses it on the ground. It's, like, <laughs> it's such a great capitalization of who these people are and where we're starting from with them. Anyways, jump back into the quick stop. Uh, in there, the Chuli's Gum guy, we'll, we'll find out it's Chuli's Gum. The guy is rolling up his sleeve 
in leading this sermon against cigarettes and against Dante. And he has the, just the fucking great line on camera of just like, and now he's going to tell you he's just following orders. Well, friends, let me tell you about another group of hate monsters that were just fucking Nazis. Oh, no, I'm not a fucking Nazi. <laughs> this goes on and escalates until he calls him a cancer merchant. Again, he's like, he, he does the whole thing again. I just love the way the guy grabs the gun. Julie's gum. Now I am a paying customer. I'm buying some Julie's gum. Uh, it keeps just, escalate though. They like start throwing. Dante. He's just such a he's such a Paul Rudd character, where he's always stuck in the middle of bullshit. Sure. And I and I and I just I love it because I think we've all been there. We've all sure. sort of nazi what are you talking about like i'm just yeah, yeah. To, you know it's great well, we've all done this podcast before so yeah that's true. <laughs> uh yeah and i mean it's that thing where and granted I, I think at this point it's too hard for me to separate good acting from bad acting but brian o'halloran's uh dante <laughs> is so good at what it does and i i don't like dante so much you know what i mean like yeah I, he's it, a frustrating it, like, character He's so frustrating, and it's it's. I think as many times as we've watched this movie, Kev, right? Like it is that idea of you know who he is and how weak willed he is, and how he like the you know Randall has him dead to rights. He just delivers the information the wrong way. Veronica has him dead to rights, but she's being too. I don't even know. She's being too supportive, right? And that's what by the end he figures that out or whatever. But it is this thing of like what a little shitbag Dante is <laughs> that he's shown throughout in every situation he's dropped into, right? Anyways. They start calling him cancer merchant and pelting with cigarettes. Uh, at this point, uh, we had seen the door open. Veronica had entered. She gets a fire extinguisher. She stands on top of it. And you get like that 90s guitar riff, Andy. She sprays them all with the fire extinguisher, which stops the action. She goes, who's leading this mom? And Walt Flanagan's first line in the movie is he coughs, coughs, coughs. He goes, that guy. And it's the dude trying to leave. Show me some credentials. Slowly, he whips out his stuff. He's a Chulis Gum representative. Veronica puts it all together that he's going around driving up anti-smoking sediment uh, to, in fact, sell more Chulis Gum. That's right. He leaves. Everybody else leaves except Walt Flanagan, who orders a pack of cigarettes from Dante, who is incredulous <laughs> that this man is now ordering, him, ordering cigarettes from him. That moment's so good. Yeah. So uh, another thing from the documentary was that um, the, one, the, one of the acquisitions guys that was really championing this at uh, Miramax was a younger guy, and he recognized that this was the, what the movie was. Um, loved it, identified with it, put a bunch of people that were uh, – he took all the young people from the office that he knew would get it and mm -hmm. organized a screening and then invited, invited um, you know Harvey Weinstein to come look at it. But Harvey Weinstein was a smoker, and so the first scene where the guy's like anti-smoking, he just got up and left <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so the first time, so the first time he had a chance to watch this and acquire it, he was just like, "This movie sucks. I don't want this." And left. And it wasn't until Sundance way later that he realized that, like, he recognized how good it was. That's awesome. Um, so now that the Chulis Gum guy has left, we get a, a scene break here. Maybe more Jane and Bob outside. Uh, yeah. Do we introduce Olaf here? Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. Maybe <laughs> this is where this movie is going to be so hard That's to put together. From yeah, but would you like Olaf's some girl pretty? Fuck? Fucking Nashville, well, or whatever the hell Jay says to her. But here's another here's another perfect example of like how he used the cast, right? Like, do you know who that girl was? No. Who was like, is he your cousin? Is he really Russian? This is the makeup artist nice. that they huh? they hired, and then couldn't, and then she they didn't like her work because she was not good, and so she just they did, they stopped act. using makeup, <laughs> and they literally put her in for that one scene. <laughs> so the first scene they shot was the scene between um, Randall and and uh, uh, Caitlin, where he's breaking up with her for. Um, oh, Veronica. On, for Don, uh, Veronica, rather. So he's breaking up with her for, for Dante in the video store. And if you watch that scene, he looks like a raccoon. 
because the makeup artist didn't know what she was doing. So she put like super dark <laughs> eyeliner and like, and like, uh, what, I don't know what the hell it's called on him. And so they hated it so much. They're like, You're, we're not doing makeup anymore for this movie. But then they, they put her in a couple scenes because she was like, she could hold the scene. That's great. <laughs> yeah. uh, when we cut back, uh, there's a pile of money on the table uh, or on the counter. And behind the counter, it's uh, Veronica and Dante there. Uh, Veronica's basically sitting like a back pillow. Dante's laying there doing her nails or whatever. And so people come up and they put their change down and says, you know, take what you take, you know, keep be honest or whatever, basically take the right change, put in the right money. And this starts off a conversation of why would you do that? How much, you know, there's three bucks in there and quarter, some singles or whatever. Why would you do that? If people, you know, don't, if people think they're being watched, they, they'll actually act accordingly and they'll actually be good people and do it or whatever. And this again, sets up what this movie is, is just long winding conversations (laughs) as they go through this and do all these things. Right. And so, yeah, it's a conversation between them, a glimpse into their, uh, life and their relationship here of course veronica a college student dante not uh she wants him to go back which will become a big part of this conversation going forward um it comes down to they start talking about uh sex obviously uh and how it takes uh there's people there's a little girl outside little kid outside it's okay. talking about how not the right uh, time not the right time yeah, talking right about time. Yeah. put her in your put him in your house uh talking about like yeah you know uh, making a man come is easy not making a woman come takes talent uh they go on this way and talking back and forth about it until finally she asks how many people he slept with uh he says have we had this conversation before maybe i don't know blah, blah. uh he says 12 she flips out how many have you had she, you want to know how many i've had sex with i've had sex with three people uh and, and he's like wow that's such a low number blah 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 they continue talking about that a little bit more uh and she's like you know for dropping a bombshell on me like that you owe me big time i want you to come back to the seminar they're doing at school about getting back into a scholastic program after an extended break or whatever uh they stand up uh there is scott Mosher himself who will be known as snowball in this scene uh staring at the <laughs> fucking light uh what's, it, what's his be, character name that's something like the idiot man child or something like that it's like william i think it's william yeah. she calls him william or whatever but then he's snowball uh william? She, he, huh no no nothing sorry uh, they make eye contact and they start talking. Uh, it's clear that Snowball and Veronica know each other. Uh, that's cool. He's catching up with this uh, Veronica, right? Is who she used to run with or whatever and how he knew her or whatever. But, all right, cool. He leaves in a very awkward way looking at the mirror. <laughs> trying very to fucking weird. Always weird. And, like, <laughs> slam, he, was, like, he like slams in one of the little like uh, yeah, the yeah. racks of like, racks. Yeah. Or weird characters. He's, he's, such, a, like, he's such a stupid. weird yeah, yeah, Willem the idiot man child is what oh, he's yeah. one, one, that one's listed as Snowball's full thing. Um, and so then this begins the conversation of how do you know him or whatever? Oh, and you know, he used to hang out with me and Veronica. Oh, that's weird. And you know, we called him Snowball. And what, what does that mean? Uh, it's God, this kid's outside. Uh, when you know, he, when he would get a blowjob, he, he wanted to spit back in his mouth while kissing. And, and, and Dante's like, Oh my god, that's fucked up. Yada, yada, yada. I guess Veronica will get talked in anything. And oh, no, no, I fucked it up. Not Veronica, she's Veronica, right? So, whoever, uh, whatever. I don't have that. I don't have that written down anywhere. Anyways, whatever her friend was, uh, and what do you mean? It wasn't her. It was me. And Dante's like, what do you mean it was you? And she's like, I, I sucked his dick. I blew it back in his mouth. This, whatever. And Dante's like, wait, he wasn't one of the three people you just listed or whatever. And she's like, well, no, I, it wasn't sex. It was just a blowjob. <laughs> I love this conversation. Yeah. And this, and this is like the, another, you know, one of, I think the most iconic things in terms of lines of dialogue from this is yeah, it escalates, oh escalates, God. escalates and gets to well, how many? And she, he starts screaming at her, and she's like, "Well, fucking let me think about it." And she comes back with thirty-six, and he goes, "Thirty-six, including me." And she goes, "Thirty-seven." <laughs> it's a thirty-seven. And the dude walks up, and it, the, there's two of these great lines. <laughs> the dude okay. walks up to buy something. He's like, "Why go for 
three seven days in a row. <laughs> in a row. <laughs> and she's like, "What does it fucking matter? You know, I, I, you know, it's not. It's it, it, it's going down. It didn't matter. We'd go out. We'd end up fooling around. I'd go sooner or later. I'd go down on the guy. And, she, and he's like, "Why don't you have the decency to sleep with her like a normal person?" And she's like, "Well, I only slept with the people I love." Which, by the way, is you and yada yada yada. But she, he's of course Dante, and this you know twenty two year old conversation is so hung up on this number and everything else like this. Uh, when he, he, she he, she leaves to go to class, which she was trying to get out to go do, he's still pissed or whatever. And so when she leaves, he opens the door and goes, "Try not to suck any dick on the way to the parking lot." <laughs> and the dude who's standing there starts walking. He's like, "Hey, you come back here, get back here." <laughs> yeah. Fucking amazing! I love it. Yeah. So, oh, love so great. Whole fucking exchange so much, right? Um. Now, of course, the world of cinema will be re- re- uh, introduced to the one and only Randall Graves. Uh, there's a woman standing outside of RST video waiting to rent a movie in which Randall walks up and over there. And, and he, he sh- well, actually, I'm skipping a little bit there, but like it was that the customer showed up, right? And was like, had his tape and was being all rude to Dante. It was like, hey, I'm fucking here to thing that he was supposed to be open 20 minutes ago. He's not open still. And Dante's like, I've already called his house twice. I'm sure he'll be here. He's like, well, no, you should fucking, sh- I went in there, he was sleeping the other day. Another great line, right? I went in there and sleeping. I'm sure he wasn't sleeping. He was probably just resting his eyes. Resting his eyes, what does that mean? He's an air traffic controller. <laughs> he's responsive. He's like, oh. Actually, that's his night job. It's so perfect. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Snarky fucking kids, right? Uh, and so he's like, yeah, you know, I was wanted to rent something else for tonight. He's like, well, if you just, you know, leave your name, I'm sure I, he can set it aside for any toss. He's like, don't strain yourself, Sonny. I'm going to big choice video. Uh, you give him that thing, the name's Wachowski or whatever the fuck it is. Like, you know, no, it reads his number and leaves. Thus, us setting. Oh, and then Dante, of course, picks up and goes, you got your keys and tosses them in the trash. Um, then Randall shows up. Uh, the woman's waiting outside. He shakes the door like he's a customer angrily. Uh, and he's like, What are you here for? He, she's here for that, whatever shitty kids movie or whatever. And he's and she can see it right there. And Randall's like, I'm there too. I want what I want too. And he's like, oh, You know, there's this whole thing of who will get it first. And he bets 20 bucks that he'll get it instead of her. Uh, so he fucks off into the, the quick stop. Uh, does his uh, his Randall walk in the Wrangler, right? Uh, to which he's surprised. Greg, real quick, were the kids just yelling outside right now? Yeah, that's right. That's what I thought I heard. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, you're not even supposed to be here. We skipped this because we already kind of talked about it in the intro intro. But of course, Dante not supposed to be at work today. He's supposed to be relieved at 12. The first guy called in sick. The boss is supposed to come in at 12. He tells There's never a worse feeling than that. Sure. Like just being on the being hook for somebody a job else. that you don't like, but then having to be there the day you're not supposed to be there. Uh, like the worst. I've been there. Like, I've, did been, you ever, I've been called in several dude, times. And you see the number on your phone and you're like, yeah. fuck. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Like we used to do, I think we used to have, I forget what job I used to have. I think it was a serving job, but you'd be like on call. So you might have to go in that night. And yeah. it was just the fucking worst. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Randall gets the things, the tapes and the keys. And he goes to open up the video store, letting the woman in very funnily where he goes in. She's astounded that he's the one who opens it. And then he leans out the door, lets her in. Um, Pretty much immediately, like uh, Randall fucks back off to the quick stop, <laughs> locks it up, comes back in, starts reading the newspaper with Dante. So I love it. They're catching up. And this is like the first, I would say, if we were actually doing the movie, like this is where the plot really starts to formulate, uh, where it's like, oh, he, he's like, I tried calling you last night at like 2.30. Why the fuck didn't you answer? Your phone is busy. Why? And he's like, oh, I, you know, I was actually on the phone with uh, Caitlin or whatever. And obviously, there's more push and pull to get that information. But uh, it, we're set up now that Dante's ex-girlfriend, Caitlin, who cheated on him all the time and sounds like it was just a very toxic relationship has once again uh resurfaced in his life they've been talking on the phone things have been going really well dante uh hopeful that this can turn into something more even though he is in fact dating veronica and thus being a complete dirtbag as i knew so many people who were in their early 20s right 
Um, Randall is continuing asking questions about this or whatever, and finally gets this great moment while reading the paper. And he's like, well, I think the four of you should uh, uh, sit down and talk this out. Dante's like, the four of us? He goes, yeah, you, Veronica, Caitlin, and Caitlin's fiance, tossing the paper down to reveal she is, she is engaged to an Asian design major. What a weird <laughs> moment. All of this is so like like a sign of the times. So I'm like, things just funny. don't work this way. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is this? Which yeah, part? But, that you like the, 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 the newspaper, newspaper announcement? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. But also, but I mean, I, I I mean again, Greg, you're from the East Coast, right? People do that I'm still not. to this day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Chicago. What are you talking about? I love that going forward, the only thing that people know about him is that he's an Asian design major. Yeah, now, everyone question, read the paper. Is he an Asian, a person of Asian like uh, descent who is a design major, yes. or is he yes. majoring in Asian yes. design? Yes, his name's Sang. He's, he's an Asian. Okay, he's okay. That's, yeah, right. That's, right. That's right. That's right. He makes that horrible joke where he's like, past tense? Yeah, yeah, exactly. A different time. Um, so this rocks Dante, of course. And again, we probably get another interstitial cut outside. I forget what happens. James on the Bob do something. Randall goes back something to the goofy. Yeah, some, something hilarious happens. But we cut back into the quick stop after that. It's Dante alone now. Walking well, around. We get, we get the scene with the woman, I think, which is one of the best scenes, which is where he's like, I don't appreciate your ruse, ma'am. You're or, cutting attempt to trick me. I don't think that happens yet, but yeah, yeah, that's a great one if you want to put it in here. We can say that was Such interesting. Good, no, no, because he comes – that brings him back. So I think that's after this. doesn't okay. matter. Doesn't We're matter. splitting hairs on a movie that's whatever, a great scene or whatever. Uh, anyways, so anyways, so sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, Dante has this box of gravel shavings. To this day, I've never been able to wrap my head around what that was because I never yeah, set what, up. The, here's, the problem is for me, the black and white is – it's just distracting. It never adds yeah. to the experience. And oftentimes like this, I'm like, what is actually happening? Because there's weird shit. And then the cat poops in it. Well, yeah. what is it? Was it I got a kitty litter box? I don't. I always thought, thought it was kitty litter. played as a joke that the cat poops in it. Yeah, yeah. I always thought that it was something the cat wasn't supposed to poop in. Oh, I, like, I, 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 always, he was so- I always thought like he was moving it or cleaning it or something. And then went away he to make in front this of phone customer. call. And like, yeah, poops in front of the customer. And the customer's just like, all right. Hmm. The, yeah. the, the, this whole scene just like could be taken straight out of a Billy Madison movie, like where Billy Madison and, and early Adam Sandler stuff just have these weird cuts that have nothing to do with the rest of the movie. And it's just yeah. here's this scene of this weird thing that's happening on. Screen. It's just another thing going wrong for Dante, because even, yeah. if, even if it is the cat litter box, this isn't how he wanted it to happen. So whatever. Right. Did you guys know they realized they actually got the cat to shit? Yeah, well, I, the cat's cat. actually shitting, which is weird. <laughs> he told, no, he he told that. How, how long did they shoot? For? Is that covering your documentary? He said, "Yeah, they talk about it." Where really? he, 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 yeah, he talks about he that shot because someone asked him like the cat really shit, and he goes, "It took." He was like, "We basically didn't let the cat shit for like a day and a half." And kept feeding it, and like we would stop it every time it wanted to shit. And he was like, obviously, that's why you don't see like a, this film was approved by PETA. Um, but he was like, we he was like, we turned the camera on. The cat jumped into the box. We turned the camera on. And we finished the mag and the cat hadn't shit yet. And he's like, shit, this, like, this is the, the most expensive shot in this whole film because they wasted so much film trying to get this thing to shit. And they reloaded the mag, turned it back on, and right on cue, the cat like turned, looked at the camera, and just was like, just started shitting like God. tremendously. <laughs> and he was like, we got it. They interviewed the cat. They interviewed the cat. And that <laughs> he just said really meow. Good. <laughs> it's like but like you can't this is the thing like th- i don't and i don't believe in like divine intervention or anything like that but that shot is perfect the cat is literally like staring right off to the camera so you can see its eyes but it's not it's not uh, uh burning the lens yeah. and it's just sh- and you can tell that because it's, it's shaking its back leg that it's actually shitting and then the guy there 
who I think was just one of Kevin Smith's neighbors or friends Probably. or whatever, just like is looking down at the cat shitting and not smiling or doing anything. He's just amazed that the cat is shitting in front of him. And like you can't like that could have been the first take or it could have been 15 hours later that this cat it's a cat. How, you can't tell it's a shit. <laughs> but Kevin Smith was just blessed on this. Everything just worked out properly, you know, and like not the least of which is like Scott, like Scott Mosher did the sound for it. How many, Tim, how many times have you worked on a project where someone just royally fucked up the sound? Oh, yeah. Something? No. That and is like, like the, the, this movie sounds decent. It sounds decent, right? And and so Moshe was like, I was so nervous because he had done sound for one project in film school. That was it. That was his entire experience with sound design. And sound is location sound is really fucking hard. It's really easy to fuck up and really hard to get right. And he literally tells a story where he was like, as we started syncing dailies, I had this like tremendous anxiety that the dialogue was going to be out of sync because he was recording analog dialogue and he goes there was only two shots that started to drift because get this as the batteries died in the recorder oh yeah slows down the record so i don't know if you guys and so he was like there was only a couple times where it would just get slow like that's what you would hear as the batteries ran out but he goes other than that it was perfect i'm like how how 21 days of shooting did you record perfect sound your first fucking time out it's ridiculous i love it if you when you look through the credits there's just a fun credits to read in general but like when they put boom guy and it's like whoever grabbed it yeah, that's <laughs> funny that's just how it was like whoever fucking wasn't on camera you're gonna hold yeah. this goddamn thing up not only that but the, I, he tells a story about they broke the boomstick but like the boomstick that rented that just broke one of the threads broke which has ha- always happens to booms cheap booms that always happens it, it breaks you can't extend it anymore so they just taped it to one of the hockey sticks nice very on brand right um so cat poops in the box we've covered that and uh, while as that's happening dante had had left it to go call the newspaper to see if there was a correction what a stupid and sad pathetic move of like hey are you sure it's these people because yeah maybe it was a we talk all the time yeah. Hello? But it's, but it's the kind of stupid shit you do and you're insecure and like Oh totally. You're a dumb you're a dumb kid. Like, again, yeah. this, it's a great for, time. It's oh, a great yeah. time capsule of how dumb you are at 20. Like do you remember when you actually used to it, you actually used to bother with thinking about how many sexual partners yeah. your your girlfriend had had had? Yes. Like who fucking cares? It doesn't matter at all. But that's the stupid shit you obsess about when you're lost in, in, in real life and the only thing you can have control over is obsessing about that one little thing that's right in front of you. Yeah. It's weird though because Dante to me like uh, – you know, to quote Nick here, he looks like a 37-year-old man. He does look he old. Does. And like, it's, the, it's only the goatee though. It, and that's, that's thing what is, like, does it. It's weird to me because Randall is just – I you are a 20-something-year-old. I totally yeah. fucking believe it. But yeah, it's like him next to Dante. I'm like – this is kind of weird. It's kind of like a Doc and Marty situation. It's the goatee, man. That's all it is. <laughs> was he that bad? I don't know. Man. I don't think it was that bad. I, I it was all bad. Yeah. I'm doing math to figure out how old he was. So he was 25 when they filmed. Well, that's yeah, not bad. He looks so he does look when the movie came out, I guess. Well, he's also, you know, he's taller. He's, he, he just has a more a bigger presence on camera, so he's going to look a little He older, also but. dresses very differently. Uh, like, he's got, like, his shirt tucked in with a belt on. You know, it's, it's not a style that, like... Oh was even it was relevant so in that time. Fucking bad even back then. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> I, I want to give a shout out to like, the character. I feel like. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's kind of a dork. But yeah. I will give a shout out to the to the boots tucked or the, the pants tucked into the combat boots. Oh yeah. That, that look will never go out of style for me. Never, <laughs> never, style. never go out of style. Jeez. Tim, uh, that's what I'm gonna say. When we get back from quarantine, that's gonna be my new look. Okay. Cool. I love it. Excited uh, to see it. We discovered that no, it is not a misprint. She is actually marrying an Asian design major. Dante is perplexed, but then smells the cat shit, and we cut back to the video store. Um, we're back in the video store. 
And this is not the one we were just talking about. Is it, or is it? It might be the titty slide where he has to go through the list with the with the wife, where she's like, "Do you have puffy?" No, 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 no. I got it. I got it. I got it. This is where um he's watching what what he will say is uh, Empire Strikes Back, and you get the really bad laser sounds. <laughs> he turns it off, and he goes back over to the store, and he goes back to talk to Dante, and they have the conversation, of course, about uh, personal politics, right? Something never sat right. What which they have the great conversation, of course, which back to what you're talking about, Kevin of. The conversations we all had with our friends but never saw in movies which is ridiculous now to say but i remember when movies didn't reference other movies so it was like this weird they were always these weird fantasy lands it's always cool is, yeah, yeah so this one was awesome to hear them like, would you like better empire so Jedi. relatable right and they go back and forth and uh yeah you know uh dante picks uh jedi right no a jedi right and then no empire. The empire. randall's jedi Rand- yeah blasphemy yeah, so, great, okay. choice. great choice great choice all, all, all Jedi had was a bunch of Muppets. Uh, but he talks about how, yeah, it ends on a downer. And that's all life is. It's a series of down endings, right? And he's, he's going through that and having that conversation uh, there with him. And then it comes up, though, the whole thing of uh, the second Death Star when he got blown up was filled with <laughs> empo- uh, non-Empire employees, right? People who were there to uh, fucking build the the storm drains. And, you know, do you think the average stormtrooper knows anything about installing a toilet main? All they know is killing in white uniforms. Uh, talking this about all is such a great, great little. All I know is killing in white uniforms or yeah, shooting yeah, in yeah, white yeah. uniforms. And so he's talking about all the aluminum siders and roofers that would have to come out there and work on this thing <laughs> as it was being built. Uh, while they debate this and like if you know personal politics play into these kind of roles, uh, a dude's getting coffee. He walks over. He is a local roofer. Uh, he in fact uh, tells you that <laughs> being a roofer, uh, yes, personal politics play a huge role in it. It's so funny. Like it's just a story of how this is what makes the scene great to me. Because yeah, just talk about the movie all that's fun but like having this guy like oh no 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 like i know this it's just such a like that's what makes this movie special to me is like they take the like oh normal conversations but they add this weird element to it that always just makes it just funny enough where i'm like it's surreal yeah um he says he he got an offer to work at babyface's bambino's house (laughs) a roof his house the gangster uh he didn't like that but he he knew the risk was too great even though the reward was high but he passed it over to his other friend his friend took the job the next week they put out a hit on the guy the bambino dude the friend got killed roofing or whatever didn't even finish (laughs) finish shingling or something uh so yes roofer politics do play into this and dante and randall have been educated for a second then we jump back to the, the video store this is where uh randall's reading the newspaper and the woman there's that annoying woman who's like they they say so much but they never tell you if it's any good (laughs) (laughs) he's like excuse me sir and he there's this whole exchange without randall ever looking at her right of uh i think it's i find it best to stay out of uh, people's personal affairs (laughs) or the people's affairs or whatever uh they go back and forth and then she does the thing where she turns around turns back what about these two oh they both suck I, and then she's like, oh, I tricked you. These are the same ones before. I don't appreciate your ruse, ma'am. <laughs> I feel like another thing this movie does, does so well is, um, like, I, I worked in retail growing yeah. up. And it just, like, it does such a good job of making fun of customers in, like, yeah. that is a way of, like, just, like, that is real enough but exaggerated, you know. And they, they'll, they'll do that more later on. But at the same time, they also kind of put a focus on the people just being like Randall and, and Dante are also fucking things up like they're clearly being bad to the customers or it, it just it I like the dialogue that it opens up that you know gets you to yeah, notice I think like separating all these scenes with these these title cards it, it you got to imagine that while writing this movie these were all just 
moments that happened and you could put it in whatever order you want but in there they're thinking we have to put i had a customer one time that just kept asking me about if these movies are good or not we got to put that in the scene somewhere oh, totally. let's oh, write totally. something about that and it just becomes like uh i don't know it becomes like a like sketch comedy where it's like here's a bit here's a bit here's a bit and none of it really has to connect but it's all going to be one it's all going to equal out to one full day uh, well, working at the store I think the magical thing is there are bits that have small pieces that are going to connect later, you know? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I like that they also, they had too many bits, and they're like, oh, let's just do a montage. Montage, yeah. right, yeah, because that's the thing, right? She, the, the lady yells at Randall and says she'll never work there again. Randall opens the door and screams that she's not allowed to rent here anymore. <laughs> then he walks up and goes next door. <laughs> Jay in the but background, like, but, like, yeah! Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think, I think about what I like about this is, though, but his way of dealing with customers and Dante's way of dealing with customers represents their basically philosophical outlook on life, right? Which is that they have that scene later where Dante's like, where Randall's like, you you have a title, and so you adhere to what you think that title is, but you yeah. don't have to be that. You could be more than that. And then, of course, spits water in the guy's face, and yeah. he's like, I'm a clerk. I'm not supposed to do that, and I just got away with title this. Title does not dictate behavior. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's that is sort of the yin and yang of those two, is that Dante is not horrible to customers. He's legitimately trying to do the right thing. He just doesn't realize that the right – he doesn't like the right thing. It, he's, he's, it's not for him, and that's what he has to come to realize, whereas Randall – knows that he hate this job is shit and and treats it accordingly and yeah, like exactly. and because of that sort of like is happy you know so randall walks back into the quick stop tells dante you won't believe what this customer just said to me and dante's like stop look and he, they look over and in the egg department in the refrigerated section there's a dude in a suit what planet <laughs> again sitting there yeah examining all the eggs screwing with all the eggs or whatever i think is this where the montage happens kev where they're like uh, yeah, yeah, they start like, talking about it, right? Or, yeah, well, you feel yeah. better. Like, who annoy? What what kind of customers annoy you? And Dante immediately lists the milkmaids, right. uh, the women who go through all the jugs of milk looking for one that won't go bad for another decade. Right? Played by Kevin Smith's mom. Oh, was that? I didn't. Yeah. I don't remember that. That's a good piece of trivia. That's a good piece of trivia. Um, and then it's yeah. Now it's down the line of this, right? And, and Randall's like, "Well, you want to believe the stuff that happens over at the video store?" And he's, like, "What what video would you get for a boy who a seven year old boy who wants his bed?" Right? <laughs> Do you have any new releases? Uh, ooh, Navy Seals. Uh, oh, that's my favorite line because it's so <laughs> Simpsons. Ooh, Navy Seals. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. I, when you when you think about this whole sequence, this had to be the most uh, like the the most difficult and challenging sequence to film and make because it's one of the few things that does cut away multiple times yeah. where mm -hmm. everything else is just like a one shot of three minute conversations this one actually there's like goes out in this one yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. sound effects yeah. Yeah. they're like <laughs> only in this part and then there's one other that just has some ass what the fuck were they thinking it's weird as hell uh, yeah, so then Dante's like, oh, well, no, you, I get dumb questions here, too. What do you mean there's no coffee? Or what do you mean there's no ice? You mean I got to drink this coffee hot? <laughs> another, another, I get another, that. Uh, I get that. I know. Right? Like I was ahead of his time. time in the 90s yeah. winter, right? uh, the woman there, he's like, is anything on sale or whatever? And there's like a big sign behind her, new, whatever, I don't remember. And then the same Navy SEAL guys pops his head. <laughs> yeah, do you have a hubcaps for a 94 or a 94 a Dodge high hatchback or whatever? He's like, ooh, reading Chucker Magazine. Like, it's just <laughs> so a run of dialogue man. from a non-actor, but it's just, it cracks me up every time. Like, do you the 72 hubcaps for all it's also wow. like that that's a that, by the way that guy that character is or the actor is so indicative of the acting in this movie it's it's like the most sophomoric 
this is the first time I've ever had to do this line delivery in pretty much all of these where it's said way too fast. You yeah. can barely understand what he's saying, yeah. and then but you get the energy out of it somehow. I don't, I For years, I thought he, he said when he was like the hubcap thing, ooh, I thought he said mini choco something, and I thought it was a snack. And then watching it on Amazon, it had the caption, and I was like, oh, mini trucker magazine. All right, whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do feel like all the, the way uh, people talk in this, like it, it's kind of like, you know, like, when people are talking, they fuck up lines all the time, you know? Not like even right now, like I can't get my sure, thought but out I mean, of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like the difference yeah. between that and then like when you're to what Nick's saying is I remembered, you know, when I was on stage performances or whatever, and it mm-hmm. would be those things of you're so gung ho of like, I just, I just want to nail the line. Right, right, I want to get, yeah, I want to nail the line. You're not acting the line. You're just saying line all the way. All right, I got it. I nailed it. I got and it. That, I mean, it literally, if you go back and watch footage of me from like any high school play that I had lines, I sped through them so fast because you're absolutely right. You're focused on the core mechanics of just getting the line delivery right. And the way his writing was, was, was done, it was, it's so flowery and so like ornate with adjectives and adverbs that. You there? You can literally see them concentrating and getting through it, and then they kind of come out of some of the yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, it's Veronica. I see that a lot too. Fast. If they just if it like it's the difference between memorizing lines and reciting them and actually being in the scene. And very few people. The only person that's really ever in the scene is Caitlin and and Randall. Everyone else just sort of has that osh. And also Dante occasionally. Dante Dante does a good job, but I think honestly, some of this, a lot of this could have been uh, masked and helped with the edit. If you sure. had more coverage, sure. so more often than not, you can actually add some pacing into films if you have close-ups and cutaways and things like that. But they didn't have that luxury, so this plays out like a bad high school stage play. And there's only like that you can tell there's moments where they had to get cutaways because someone fucked up a line so royally they had to cut or or cut into the second part of the scene. But like for the most part, he talks about how he was like, you know, we had at most five takes of each of these of each of these. Uh, longer scenes and we had to just watch them and pick which one was was good enough good enough like yeah, you would yeah. never do that you would and, and like imagine that in like a bond film where you just saw dame judy dench fuck up a line and you just you had to just keep it in the film because you didn't have another cut of it you know it just would, imagine, it wouldn't happen can you imagine how scary it must have been looking at like five different shots and trying to figure out which one is the most okay to use because you've spent all of your money i mean I, you're I, incredibly I, deep in debt Anyone who's done a project like that, like a, a quasi-narrative project or a commercial or something like that, knows the dread of realizing you either forgot a shot or you thought you had the coverage that you wanted and it wasn't there. Just and that's where work. you have to get really creative with cutaways and things, or you have to do reshoots. And he didn't have either of those luxuries. Yeah, yeah. But there's a certain charm to that. Like there's at the end, I mean, pretty much everything Jason Mew says, there's a moment where he kind of stumbles over it and then kind of comes back and it totally takes you out of the movie. But it's so charming, you just you don't fucking care. Um, so we're back then to the Eggman or whatever. A woman walks over with a Slim Jim, <laughs> and she's like, "I bet, yeah, I've seen this before. I bet, I bet you yeah, a million dollars. He's the he's a guidance counselor. Saw it at another supermarket. They it happens two three times a week now. Uh, they never they pay for everything they break. They never cause a ruckus. They never bother anybody. Uh, and they're like, well, but why? And like, well, you know, if your job was as meaningless as a high school guidance counselor, wouldn't you lose your mind too or whatever? Because he's searching for the perfect dozen of eggs. Yeah. Um, and, they, and I like always like you can mix and match. He's like, no, 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 no you can't. Do that. <laughs> I told you. It's a line about that, right? Uh, and she's basically like, well, that's why it's you know important to take pride in your work or find a job that's fulfilling or whatever. That's why I made you, you want to talk about running through Kevin Smith dialogue just because it's so 
not how you would talk. She's like, that's why I manually masturbate caged animals for the artificial insemination. Then <laughs> she walks out. And the guys look at each other like, what? She jacks off monkeys. Whoa. That, was, uh, that was Kevin Smith's sister, by the way. Nice. Um, there's another cutaway. Uh, we come back though, and uh, oh, the thing I've been leaving out, of course, is that uh, you know, we when you watch the movie, but, but uh, Dante only supposed to be there till noon, uh, it's past that, and he's got a hockey game at two o'clock. He wanted to make, uh, he finally calls uh, the boss's house to find out when he'll be relieved, and it turns out the boss is not there, he's gone somewhere, Atlantic City, I forget, he's gone, he's gone, something like that, yeah, something like that. He's gone on a trip, or Vermont, he went to Vermont this morning, uh, and Dante fucking screams at whoever's on the other end of the phone and then he's like what oh i'm sorry he apologizes to them uh hangs up randall c- comes over after having listened to the conversation is just like man that sucks blah blah how did that you know yeah blah, blah. And he's like why'd you apologize not just like what why'd you apologize on the phone you know like that you had every right to be mad and you still apologize to that person and then we get into this whole conversation about who dante hicks is who's basically he's a pushover right and he buckles like a belt randall says and then eventually he gets uh, randall gets dante to apologize to him and he's like see there you go again and we'll <laughs> toss it such in. a pug man i love it i know right i'll toss it in here i don't know if this is when it happens but this is a, there's a conversation too uh, at some point where dante talks about how his mom told him a story of like he wouldn't lift the lid on his potty to poop and so he just pooped his pants once because dante right. is so against shaking up the established order right. of anything in his life he just wants to be comfortable i think that's later the entire stage yeah i think that's later i think that that uh that happens because it's the shit or get off the pot conversation right mm. yeah that makes sense well, this is where this is where he spits water in his face no we're not there yet we're not there yet no that's when he rents the car that's when he borrows dante's car to go to big choice video which is when, when how we right. introduce caitlin and everything else that's so hard <laughs> yeah, out of my fucking lane nick all right uh, uh instead what happens this. here is that dante finally has a mac an act of insubordination where in realizing the 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 boss is in vermont he's like fuck it he calls the guy to cancel the hockey game but then comes up with the idea wait can the hockey game come to me so now everybody's there to play hockey uh they all want free gatorade <laughs> and, <laughs> another great like just throwaway thing but like what like uh, i I think there was no moment in this movie that really took me back more than seeing a glass bottle of gatorade oh right totally right (laughs) because it's like i I remember that dude and i remember having them and like seeing that it was like holy shit of course you know the the vhs and just the references to the 90s whatever but that thing i was like holy shit what a throwback dude and also, I, this is another moment where it's like we all have those fucking friends where it's just like, like, oh, you're working kind of funny. Like, oh, you guys have merch. Can I get some T-shirts? It's like you don't fucking want these T-shirts. Like, you just want free shit. Like, you <laughs> just want the idea that yeah. you can get something. And it's just yeah. like the yeah, same Hunter Pence. Gatorade. Like, did you really want the Gatorade or were you just want, wanting to ask for shit? It reminds me of someone here. Uh, yeah, Nick. Nick. <laughs> 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 so yeah he eventually folds on that gives him the free gatorade yada 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 uh so how are we closing down the street we're not playing in the street they are going to play hockey on the roof of the quick stop which so is way dangerous. too small way too small yeah, for a game say, no way the roof is big enough to have all these people running around playing hockey that's no way but, but kevin smith uh in his master of filmmaking cuts around it that so you would have no idea <laughs> just this awkward thing of people running and shooting and doing whatever uh it goes on for a little bit uh, uh randall's playing goal and uh eventually uh, a man sh- shows up in a flannel downstairs wanting to buy cigarettes it says it'll be open after the first period he jiggles the door and waits this again i think this is where you want to talk about acting range again scott Mosier. Uh, this this is Snowball, who looks. I think I've always thought watching this looks completely different. Like he actually what? looks in shape here. He's shaved. He's got long. His hair's down, so he looks longer. That's, That's crazy. Dude. I had no idea. I, I didn't know that either. 
eventually he crawls up the fire escape. It's like, how much, rather than be like, what the fuck are you doing? How much longer is left in this period? <laughs> like seven minutes or eight minutes. Or like, Come the fuck on. I just want to pack a cigarette. Like we'll be down to eight minutes. And then he starts going, oh, look at you. You can't even pass. <laughs> Dante's like, hey, fuck you, man. Like if you can do better, come on up here. So he comes on up there and they get a face off together which is completely unfair because Dante is on skates. This guy's just sitting there planted in sneakers or whatever boots. Yeah. So he fucking lights Dante up, knocks him down, uh, gets the puck, and then just shoots it fucking across the street down a storm drain and an amazing goal. Uh, then he bounces. He leaves. Uh, Dante's pissed off, of course. He's like, all right, well, let's just get another game going. All right, let's get back into it. Where's the other ball? Nobody brought another ball. They all fucking did this, and, it, and Dante's pissed about it. Well, and they, I brought one ball, the orange one. It's like, God damn the it. the orange one? And the orange one. Uh, and that's the end of the hockey game. Uh, Dante's pissed that that's how it went down. Um, I'm going to drop it in here. I don't know if it's already happened, if it happens here, or if it'll happen later. But at some point, that'll be important later on. Uh, Randall sells a four-year-old a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> great. During another love, montage, love, right? I love that they go as far as to show her put one in her mouth and like try to light I was like, wow, that, that, like that's my- probably illegal to show on film. Uh, real um, quick, the, the the guy that, I don't know if you guys covered this, but the guy that uh, kick, hits the ball over that challenges them is Scott yep. Motor. Yep, yeah. we covered that. Yeah. I, and I mean, look at him. I mean, what a, what a metamorphosis. He was good looking. Yeah, I know, right? But he looks so bad at Snowball. Anyways. Um, now Dante's fixing a light and an old man walks over. I, I like to think of him as future Jared Petty. He walks over and is like, Hey, <laughs> y- young man, can I get some help? Jesus Greg. Toilet paper here. The guy that dies jacking off on the toilet. <laughs> I just meant more of like, I think this is how Jared will look as an old man. I don't mean necessarily the masturbation in a public place. How Jared looks now. Oh, but see, that's rude. Wow. You rooted it. You rooted it. Yeah, you're um, he walks you over. rooted it. There's this exchange back and forth of like, uh, you know, the guy asked for this. Dante shouldn't do it. He folds as Dante does. Uh, the guy walks back. Then he comes back to Dante and he's like, how's the toilet paper back there? Dante says, to be honest, it's a little rough. Oh, it's going to knock the hell out of my hemorrhoids. And so he convinces Dante. Of course, I would just be like, sure, buy all this stuff. But no, he convinces Dante to give him toilet paper. Then he comes back and wants the nudie magazine, convinces him to give a very specific nudie magazine. <laughs> he goes all the way back there to go to the bathroom or whatever, right? then <coughs> excuse me randall walks back in to give us the information that julie D- dwyer has died uh julie dwyer is the first of the names that i think you'll need to remember for future movies no spoilers uh she died ah, uh, mid backstroke okay. mid backstroke in the ymca pool <coughs> she is one of the illustrious 12 for dante uh put holding a special place in his heart in memory i guess and so dante's like well i have to go to the wake you have to do the store for me or run the store for me and randall's like i am not doing that if you're going i'm going and dante's like but you hate social you but you hate it'll be the we social gathering people. of the season for all our high school people he's, he's like you but you hate people but i love gatherings isn't that ironic <laughs> like, like like i get it yeah, yeah. of course you want to be invited but you don't want to go andy right <laughs> and so that's the thing like there's this whole argument that of course dante buckles on it's like fine and so we cut to the car now of them driving off to the wake uh we're talking about man dying you know swimming in the ymca pool what an embarrassing oh, embolism in the brain what an embarrassing way to die and don and randall's like yeah but it's nothing like how my uh, cousin died and like oh, how did he die trying to suck his own dick or whatever uh and so there's a whole exchange here like oh you know everybody tries it or whatever and they blah 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 back and forth and eventually when he, they talk you know his mom found him uh you know dick and mouth balls resting on his chin or whatever or no that's before and, and so there's like a beat of silence there's a beat of silence and dante's like wow he so he made it yeah, yeah but it would cost. balls resting on his lips <laughs> but at what a price and then dante says the whole yeah i could never reach and he's like never reach what your dick yeah i guess it's like you said everybody's tried it i've never tried it 
pervert. <laughs> they roll up to the funeral home. Uh, they climb out of the car. They go in. And then it's a five minutes later sign of them running out of the funeral home, jumping, jumping back into the car and taking off. And then family members running out to chase them and throw rocks at them. It turns out as we get well, – yeah, sorry, Kevin. I was just going to say I like the way they did the the audio in this scene because you hear a commotion happen. Yeah. And, and like, then they it's run like out. the Wilhelm yeah. scream that's like, Wah! yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. stupid. Like things get knocked out. Someone yells something, and then they all run out. It's very again, so like, this humor coming out of nowhere. I love it. But yeah, so, but again, if you had more budget, right, you'd have that scene in there. But they were like, well, we can't afford to shoot inside. We have no more film, so we'll just have worked, a quick cut away. You know? That was what that the comic was then, right? They did a the lost scene. Wasn't that the comic book? Mm. No, am I wrong? Well, I don't know. The only the only last thing I know is the one where he actually goes to the other video store. There was supposed to be a scene there, but they lost the the mag. Like went bad. It didn't load right. So they have the sound for it, but they don't have the um, visuals. Told, isn't that in it? No, he goes to it, but that scene's supposed to be longer. So he has a whole mm-hmm. scene with the ch- that the yeah. another guy at the counter and stuff like that, where they go back and forth on movies or something like that. Yeah, th- this scene like surprised me because it's like, oh shit, they left the like I didn't yeah. expect them to leave. So even them just getting in the car, it was like. It- a nice uh breaking of the pace and like just changing shit up and but i like how it didn't take too long and they get right back to the community and they're like Dude, so nobody, up. nobody wants to rent video or whatever and they cut to all the kids like banging yeah, on the banging door. <laughs> yeah, like uh it so was a cheesy. i'm i'm right and there's more to it than that even there was clerks the lost scene comic book that they did that filled in a bunch of gaps including the f- funeral parlor and then it turns out that on clerk clerks x the dvd they animated it in the style of clerks the animated series oh, that's cool we got there too so yeah, um, but like you said, they go back to the quick stop now. It's now completely dark. Uh, Dante reams Randall for all of this. All right, you're leaning on the casket. You knocked it over. Her fucking body fell out. It's not like she can break anything. He's like, you're just. It's them just him just screaming at him for being Randall, basically. Right. Uh, Dante goes back in, and shortly thereafter, Randall re-enters and is just like, hey, let me have the keys to your car. Like, why would I give you the keys to my car or whatever? I want to go rent a movie from Big Choice Video. You understand the irony of that? You work in a video store. I work in a shitty video store. I want to go to a good video store. This then becomes the whole argument about, yes, uh, does title dictate behavior and what their responsibilities are as clerks, right? And this might be the shit on the pot thing uh, you were talking about earlier, Kev. Um, uh, no, so they go back and forth. I was going to say the shit on the pot thing is later when he's trying to get him to decide to go with Caitlin. Okay. Um, so they go back and forth about this or whatever, as we've already discussed. Uh, and then this dude walks up and does the thing that is so annoying. I, I, I worked, you know, fucking at a Walmart cashier and people do this shit of like, they read the tabloid headline and they start talking to you about it and you don't want to engage. You're engaging with a friend or whatever. Then he keeps trying to interject, at which point finally Randall spits water on him. The guy's like, I just want to break your fucking head. <laughs> uh, Dante refunds him and does it and gets him out of the door or whatever. And the guy yells at Randall some more and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, title does not dictate behavior. I'm a clerk here at Quick Stop and RST, uh, respectively. Uh, you know, I shouldn't, you know, spit in people's faces, but I do. So blah blah blah. And he's like, "Fine, here you go. Fucking take the keys of the car and go. Get the fuck out of here." Uh, Dante's like, or Randall's like, "Peace. Can't wait to see you later." And leaves. Uh, he leaves. He goes to Big Choice. I'm putting this in here. He goes to Big Choice. He walks in. He is like this glorious scene. He drops. Well, to I mean, it is glorious though. Like oh, this yeah, is. Not, we keep talking about like you know this time, time capsule. capsule, but like. For us now being able to watch this, like we don't get to experience that anymore, and it's just yeah. like it's funny because like they're they, sh- I don't know if they meant to shoot it as if it's this like magical moment, but it does feel that way now looking at it. Where I'm like, that it's definitely a transporting you to a different time and place. Totally. 
uh, back at the convenience store now, the quick stop, uh, Dante strains to lift a gallon of milk and give it back to a personal trainer who will be who is none other than Rick Darris, who is a name you should keep in mind later because he's a fucking dirtbag. Uh, but Rick Darris, it turns out, of course, is a personal trainer now and starts giving Dante shit about straining and how he shouldn't, you know, that to get him in shape. Uh, a woman walks in. He's like, what do you think? She, he's out of shape. <laughs> and she's like, it's hard as hell for back here. He's like, I'm not out of shape. And he's just, you know, a whiny little bitch about it, right? But like, um, you know, I mean, this this guy's being an asshole. He's just no, trying totally. to get a customer, right? This is who Rick Darris is for sure. This is Rick Darris to a yeah. T, right? So, okay. So I got to remember Rick Darris. Yeah. I got to remember. Julie Dwyer. Also, Julie Dwyer, this the girl's one who, sister. You're about to get, I was going to say, you're about to get the fact that this woman's sister is Alyssa Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, once this information all starts getting revealed on who's who and how they know each other, uh, Alyssa's sister's like, you're Dante. You used to date Caitlyn. And then Darius is like, wait, you used to date Caitlyn Bree? Girl, he says something weird, like amazing body or smoking hot body or some shit like that. He's like, and Dante's like, yeah, and you're Dante Hicks. You used to play hockey. He's like, yeah, how do you know all this? And he's like, don't take this the wrong way, man, but. I used to fuck when you were dating. I used to fuck, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 I'd be and like, how could I not fuck? take that the wrong and way? Like, calm down. <laughs> and then Alyssa's sister's like, you didn't know Dante? Everybody knew, blah, blah, blah. While this is happening, a dude with a briefcase walked in and started asking questions of like, hey, uh, have you been working here all day? Are you the only person working here? What's your name or whatever? Uh, so there's this two planes of action and this heavy ac- action scene for clerks uh, where it's, yeah, revealed, of course, that all the stuff with uh, Rick, Alyssa's sister, uh, Caitlin, Dante, this love triangle they had going on over here. And then finally, Dante asked the guy, wait, what is this all about? And he ha- he's hands him a ticket and he's like, you're being uh, fined for selling tobacco to a minor. Uh, you know, the, an angry mother of a four-year-old called the Bureau who called me and I'm here to give this to you. The fines doubled because of the exceedingly young age of the person. <laughs> and, 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 and like hands this $500 ticket is like, there's no way to contest this this is just law you know what i mean like i have no proof it was really you other than you saying you were here so fuck you and that that then sours the relationship with rick and uh the sister rick's like i don't want to train you he's like yeah she's like yeah dante selling it's, it's cigarettes to a kid that's that's low i didn't sell any kid cigarettes to any kids and then rick darris it's fucking whatever it's six o'clock seven o'clock at night is like could i give you a ride somewhere and she's like how about the beach and he's i like the way you think and that's them into the sunset that's them into the sunset all right they leave and then and exit them <laughs> they <laughs> exit into their life or whatever and literally three seconds later uh caitlin walks in and dante's like oh whatever and then caitlin we don't see her immediately but it's just this weird thing of like so and she mentions that that's Alyssa's sister and that that was rick darris like the, them passing or coming at it from different angles like it would just be so weird of all these people in one sector unifying and not talking to each other but what, what do i know um oh this must be when we cut well, back. rick, da- rick darris was laser focused bro sure he's going to the beach now <laughs> you, know apparently. you know what i mean he's trying to he's trying yeah come on I, I guess this is when we cut back to the video store we need something as an interstitial here you know what i mean maybe randall already no he hasn't come back so yeah this is what's happening because eventually the jail put the ie cock sign on him um but anyways, uh, they then get to the video store where Caitlin and Dante catch up about what the fuck's actually happening, right? And it's basically that uh, Sang uh, proposed. She needed to think about it. He insisted she wear the ring. Uh, her mother found out about it, put the announcement in the paper. She knew that Dante would flip his shit about it. So she's been on a train from more colleges and Pennsylvania. College, yeah, I can't remember. It was like, it's like an eight-hour train, train, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. To come here and calm him down. Uh, so then it's, it's a long drawn out conversation with a lot of dialogue going on here, but basically the idea is that they, they do have a spark again. They do want to see what's going on. Uh, how about a dinner and a movie date? I've seen that before. What about a walk on the boardwalk, get naked date from her. 
eventually she flips it back to a movie uh and her idea is that she's gonna go and they have a whole conversation about saying and veronica and how they feel maybe we should put them together or whatever it's like and you man dante you suck you know what i mean you really fucking suck. yeah what a piece of shit i guess also at, uh already at this point veronica swing by with a, a lasagna for dante that was one of the interstitials i cut out All there because right. that's that'll be a part, part to prove she's cool <laughs> and that was when randall was doing the slurping noise too as all your dumb friends would do um uh so then yeah caitlin's uh it, she is there for dante there is something there she they want to see what it's about they're going to do a date tonight she's going to go home she's going to change she's going to break the news to her mom that it's over with saying uh she leaves dante's incredibly happy uh randall returns with uh his porno uh he walks in the best of both worlds he walks in he's sit- so happy and excited to share this yeah. i have felt this so many times you know i like and i like this whole thing i got it so we could watch it together <laughs> uh he gets there uh and dante is a smiling grin idiot he's like what do you you know basically what did i miss he's you, you got i got a, i got fined for 500 dollars. fuck you know you didn't shows them take it why aren't you it's i didn't i didn't do it you did it oh my god that she was only four years old yeah why aren't uh, you mad you know yeah yeah why aren't like, you mad well because everything's coming up dante here caitlin's back uh we're gonna be together everything's fantastic you just missed her she went home to do this i need you to watch the store so i can go change uh to get ready for this date tonight uh randall does something to the effect of like oh man you know i thought title dictates behavior and dante's kind of like no you know i'm I'm being more like you kind of thing or whatever right um so dante leaves maybe this is where jay puts the ie cock sign on the window and gets gets randall to come stand right by it or whatever a classic jay move you know what i mean (laughs) uh so now randall is in the quick stop watching the porno uh caitlin returns uh they have a quick uh conversation there right of like yeah, you know, this is what's going on, blah, 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 a bunch of jokes or whatever. You know, I eat Chinese too. Um, they're going back and forth about that stuff. Uh, there's eventually a very sweet line of, you know, your misguided friendships of just like, if you, if you break his heart again, I'll kill him or whatever, or kill you. I'll, if you break if you break his heart again, I'll kill him. Uh, he was mine first, blah, 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 territoriality kind of thing. Um, but it speaks to, and she does the whole thing of like, you know, I think I'm going to give the give him a real try this time kind of thing. So it does seem like they're in different places in their lives. Of course, you know, she's about to graduate college. So she's basically 45. So she definitely understands exactly what's going on. Uh, she needs to go to the bathroom, though. Uh, so he says it's in the back, but there's no lights back there. Uh, every, the, the lights go out every night at, what, 5.17 p.m. And the boss, ha- the the electrician owes fees to the video store. So the, the boss won't pay for him to come fix it. She goes back there. Dante comes in shortly thereafter, uh, j- makes a joke about the porn they're watching, uh, this, that, and the other. Still very happy, Dante. Uh, and then Caitlin comes out, and her, she's all disheveled or whatever. And she comes up, and she's like, how did you get back here so fast? And he's like, what are you talking about? I've been gone for an hour or whatever. And she turns around so that she can't see the reactions of Dante and Randall and starts telling this, uh, it's never been like that. He just let me do everything. And I went back there, and Dante was there, and he was ready. <laughs> and she and, and, and he's like, no, I wasn't. And like, this slow realization that it was going on and then it, my favorite thing it's such a fucked up scene so obviously so, so fucked up but i so, just love the exchange of just like call the police <laughs> why there's a stranger in a bathroom and he raped caitlin she he's she said she did all the work <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck is in her bathroom and they cut it's to such it. a it's such like a curb your enthusiasm moment yeah. like, totally totally and you want to talk about like why i got an nc-17 right like this yeah. is like, why people were flipping out that nothing like this happened ever on the fucking uh silver screen um but yeah they wheel it out or they uh, there's a guy there in in the sheet right below him it's the old man they pull it over his head they cut to the wide shot he's got a giant erection uh dante and randall are talking to the medical examiner right about what the fuck's going on and like you know yeah the, he was back there I, I placed his time of death here like 
did he have the magazine? No, he, you know, he went, he asked me for it when he went back there. And she's like, what kind of convenience store are you running? <laughs> like, and like, it's just so, this the, is a great experience. The way they set that all up where he was like, oh, that was, uh, he must have come before we, uh, you know, played the hockey, yeah, hockey yeah, yeah. game. But after we went to the, to the funeral and it's just, it's so, it, it I, I, brings but, into perspective all the yeah. stupid shit they were doing. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do love that line of questioning. Like, well, where were you guys? Oh, yeah, we yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, what so are you running here? Oh, they, Wait, so they, they put him in the, the ambulance, right? Hold on, before they, they, the one line is when uh, Randall's like, "This got to be the most fucked up thing you've ever seen." She's like, "No, I once saw a, a, a man who broke his own neck trying to fillet himself," and they all like, like get uncomfortable and look away. Sorry, so they funny. put him in the ambulance. So they, they put him in the ambulance. They put her in there too, right? Yeah, she's who's already the, there. He's already. There. Who's the other guy? That Scott Mosier. That's that Snowball. That, that was that's Snowball. snowball. That's Will, he Will was him. wandering around high, saw the ambulance, decided to get in. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. fucking yeah. hilarious, and that's that's the last time we see him in the movie. They slam the doors and the ambulance rolls away and the medical examiner is like, she's going to need years of counseling and therapy to come out of this kind of thing. Uh, we then get, oh. You yes, missed the scene where Veronica and uh, gets broken up with, right? No, we're not there yet. Um, this is the scene Kevin was talking about that I kept trying to put in earlier. Great job, Kevin. Randall and Dante are in the convenience store. Dante laying on like the ice cream machine. Randall's got the thing. He's like, salsa oh, right. shark. You know, sharks and the salsa. Our shark. Um and this is where they have the conversation about, yeah, you know, I, I don't want to mess up the order of things because this. And Randall's like, well, you're pining for your ex while you currently want your way. It's, it's you know, laying all these things out that Dante is be, wanting his cake and eating it too kind of situation here. And he sucks or whatever. And that, you know, he shouldn't be depressed about this. He shouldn't have even been doing this. He should have been doubling down on Veronica, who is a good person and, you know, deserves his love kind of thing or whatever. Um, then Randall leaves. Then Jay comes. Jay and Son and Bob come in. They're done for the night um yeah they come in for done for the night and they have this whole conversation about it right and like jay wants to party with dante because they get off at the same time all the time he's not in the mood and you don't want to hang out with drug dealers no it's this thing i'm going through with my girlfriend he, and they just sharing all this information to jay and silent bob who i would not trust <laughs> to sit outside my store and not fuck my like life they, they, they see him like any anytime he's working jay and silent bob are outside so they, yeah, they're yeah, for I'm sure, sure friends yeah they've developed some sort of relationship I just want to go as think as deep as I was about to fucking leave my girlfriend for my other ex girlfriend, and now she's catatonic from fucking a dead guy. <laughs> I also skipped that line in the conversation too. With another great one of like, "Oh, Caitlin will be fine. She'll get over fucking a dead guy." Hell, my dad, my, my mom's been fucking a dead guy for thirty years. 30 I call years. him dad. <laughs> That's so funny. That's a great line of dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so jay leaves and then bob gets his line of the film right of like there's a million fine looking women in the world but not they don't all bring you lasagna at, the, at work most just cheat on you and so then he leaves and dante has that he's right i love her talking about veronica uh at this point smash we cut, cut. <laughs> we cut the which is the raccoon eyes you were talking about earlier and the scene you're talking about here where randall breaks up with veronica or yeah breaks up with veronica for dante saying that he's in love with caitlin that this you know he couldn't get her out of his system yada 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 and, and he's like, these are these are my words, not his or whatever, except for the latent homosexuality thing. Where he's <laughs> like just sitting there trying to get in the diagnose your friend's head case or whatever. Uh, and then there's a, a line that I use many times where I was like, listen, I don't know a thing, one, a thing one about chicks. So if you have to cry or something, I can get out of here. And she's like, no, I'm not sad. I'm angry. We then cut back to the convenience store where she's screaming at Dante and, you know, throwing and stuff. And, you know, he's a piece of shit. And like, you know, the, you know, keep her on the side while trying to get back with his ex-girlfriend. He doesn't know what he wants, you know. And if you think 37 dicks was a lot, you should see me now. I'm going to put the hookers in Times Square to shame. <laughs> and he's like, no, but I love you. Or, I'm sorry. Or, you know, I got, it's because you got caught. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I love you. And she's like, fuck you and leaves. Um, 
Randall then comes back into the convenience store and does like the hello. And then he gets the uh, choking around him and they start brawling through the convenience store and fucking up all the candy and throwing shit at each other and, you know, all sorts of shenanigans. Nick, how's this fight scene sit for you? Uh, it's not a very well choreographed, <laughs> but it's uh, it's uh, worth knowing a little piece of trivia is that uh, the uh, the owners of the store had had not come by to see what was happening. Uh, so every day they'd set up, you know, they'd set up the shot and then at like six o'clock in the morning, they'd have to like tear all the shit down, put everything back and then they have to go back to work. But this was the one day that the one of the owners showed up and she walked in, looked down, saw the whole mess and all that shit just walked out. <laughs> um, and, another thing that we glossed over a little bit was uh, Silent Bob's line was not originally supposed to be his. He was supposed to say silent mm-hmm. the entire time. But Jason Muse couldn't do the line. He just couldn't. He kept fucking up the takes. And got super nervous about it. And so finally, Kevin Smith's like, I'll just, I'll do the line. Don't worry about it. That's and awesome. that became the hallmark of Silent Bob, like saying the moral tale, like, you know, what the main character is supposed to learn. Yeah. The- it worked perfectly. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um. So then, yeah, re- they get done fighting and it's the, you know, as you've had the row with your best friend laying there, like, how's your eye? It's okay. How's your throat? Kind of hard to swallow. And it's this, again, the whole come up and lay out of this thing, right? Of like, Dante once again wallowing his own shit of how horrible his life is and how none of it's his fault or whatever and blah 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 and finally Randall loses it and he's like shut the fuck up and starts pelting with stuff and really just spells it out for him right of like this is your situation you're here because of your actions you know every, you've had you've had plenty of choices you didn't you took you took the ones you took and that got you here like it's a shitty job quit you could go do anything else there's a ton of other jobs they pay better you're just here because you're comfortable so stop acting like the world's your fucking problems uh and then randall has a you know a moment here of clarity too of just like you know we talk so much shit about these customers like we're better than we're higher we're so fucking advanced why are we fucking working here and then we cut to them now having had it all out uh, finishing cleaning up the store. They pick it all up or whatever. And they have that weird moment of like, all right, cool. Like, you know, are we all right? What's going on? Kind of thing, blah, blah, blah. And uh, there's a bit, you know, you know, do, um, my ride's here, but do you want to, you know, do something tomorrow? And Dante's like, well, I'm going to, you know, go to the hospital and see Caitlin in the morning. And then I'm going to try to r- run by Veronica and, and see if we can sort that out. Uh, and he's like, and Randall's like, do you want help with that? He's like, no, I think I got it or whatever. And it's the thing. All right, well, you want know, maybe we can do dinner. I'll call you. All right, cool. And then before Randall leaves, he's like, you know, one anything else I can do for you? He's like, yeah, you know, Randall go walk out of here one more time for me or whatever and, and i was like nah, no nah. and he does the weird fucking walk that weird we saw in love there. it i love it <laughs> just a, like an in joke for them or whatever right and then yeah the door closes uh and then the door opens again real quick and randall throws the sign at him and says you're closed and then soul asylum plays us out and they freeze frame <laughs> and the audience <laughs> the um the wrangle walk thing was just something that that what's the guy's name that played randall uh randall jeff, uh, uh, jeff o'halloran no yeah no no, no, it's Brian O'Halloran and Jeff. I'm gonna look. I Anderson, it. something like that. Yeah. Um, anyway, he he tells a story on the documentary. Yeah, he was Anderson. like, I thought I was done. I thought I had a night off, and I he I guess he had done the dance. I, like he he just was like, I'm so happy. I I'm, I get to leave and did the dance. And Kevin's like, Holy fuck, that's awesome! And then threw it in. Nice. <laughs> he was like, That's a great thing that you could do. I didn't know you could do that. And then at the end of the credits, it says Jay and Silent Bob will return in Dogma, which is in not Dogma. the next movie for you to watch in review. <laughs> which is not, or it is. Mallrats is next. No, I think Mallrats yeah. is next. Yeah, I don't know why. Why would he put that in there? That's so weird. Isn't it because uh, Dogma was the movie he's always wanted to make, like his literal dream I don't, movie? I guess. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I think that that was, was, he was hoping that would be his next one. Smart to follow it up with Mallrats, though. Well, I mean, it, well, there's a much better film. We'll talk about next week of how the studio system got him and was like, "Here's a million dollars. Let's make you know, let's make something." Gotcha. Right. Cool. We'll talk about that next week. But this week, let's do a little ragu bagu. <laughs> Da 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 da. Ragu. Da 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 da.
Bagu. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Rad Guys Talk Bad Guys, the podcast within a podcast where we rank the villains of the universe, <laughs> I guess, right? This is going to be volume number nine on my watch. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the Hispanic heartthrob, Andy Cortez. Are we doing? Is it the dead man? <laughs> I think it's. I think Dante is the bad guy. Yeah, I, I was going to say the, the, guy, the producer yeah. slash producer Nick Scarpino. Hello, Forbes thirty under thirty. Tim Gettys. Uh, I'm going to say the villain of this movie is the time itself, for all the things that did not age well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the glue, Kevin Coelho. You gotta learn to look past that sort of thing. <laughs> it's a time capsule, right? Mm-hmm. And honestly, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Yeah. Like, I thought there was going to be way more use of gay and stuff like that and throwing mm-hmm. it around. And not even, not because I think Kevin Smith was, like, a bigot back then, but I think, you know, how we all talk about yeah. how language has evolved and how you would insult people, especially if you were in your 20s and making a movie in 1993, right? Like, whatever. I digress. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about, yeah, who, who is the bad guy of Clerks, you think? I do think it's Dante. <laughs> I think it's Dante. Yeah. I think he's his own worst enemy. I think he's his own antagonist. And I think that at first I would say Randall is the bad guy, but he's not. He's the character that helps him sort of like go, go, have some sort of realization and growth. Um, and so I don't, I don't think there's necessarily a bad guy per se, but I do think that this this is one of those rare instances where the protagonist is actually his own worst enemy and all the other characters around him were built to sort of take him out of those those circles of hell. And bring it back into like salvation, and so like I'm not, I'm not, that's very metaphysical and very philosophical. But I would argue that it's Dante. I say it's Dante as well, and I think cool. we put him in number one with a bullet. Yeah, <laughs> and also <laughs> ranking this universe, it's number one right now. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. What were you about to say, Andy? I just agree with you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're gonna continue this weird list. <laughs> next week. <laughs> uh, Friday, we're gonna do transform. Age of Extinction. So strap in for some Mark Wahlberg action. Uh, is it a Transformer? We'll have to figure it out then. Uh, but then <laughs> Tuesday, Mallrats will continue. Kevin Smith's View a Universe in review. Exciting stuff. Is that a Transformer? <laughs> Until then. I think we found a Transformer. Watch out. Make sure it doesn't get near any high-tension cable lines. <laughs> You got something for me? No, Anyone? man, that's the line. That's the line. Snoogans. <laughs> 37. 